Have you ever wondered, is there more to the Word of God than just words on the page? Join us for an in-depth journey into the truth of God by means of open, Socratic conversation. In Proverbs chapter 2, the Word of God says, If you accept my words and store up my commands within you, turning your ear to wisdom and applying your heart to understanding, indeed if you call out for insight and cry aloud for understanding, and if you look for it as for silver and search for it as for hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. Welcome to Hidden Treasures Revealed. Phil, good evening to you. Good evening, right back. I'm not going to ask you because I'm convinced, convinced that you had a good day. So, and you, and you just nodded. So we'll, we'll move on from there. All right. For this evening, verified this with y'all before we started this evening and had this come to mind. And, um, Phil, I'm finding that recently when we have podcasts, the ones that are given to me, the, what I discerning as the starting point, not the, this is all we're going to talk about because it goes in so many different areas of Yah's truth. The things that I get and the, the facilitations here are for me and they're for you and they're for those that are walking in the truth and those that are seeking with all their heart. That is for everybody. And this was actually told to me when we were talking recently about thinking about the thinking in your mind about what ifs, what if this, what if that, and this is a really important thing because just thinking in my mind, you can think about what if scenarios in your conscious mind, but what I'm seeing more for me is in my lower conscience times that I'm not seeing that I'm asking the, what if this happens? Well, if that happens, then what about this? And what about that? And just gets me in a situation where it leads to different things. And one of the reasons for bringing this out is we just talked about being convinced of the faith that you have and getting to where you are knowing your faith. We're not going to know it absolutely completely until we actually see Yah in the kingdom, but we can know things in faith more and more by having proof, not just evidence, but having the proof of the experience. And this goes right on that, that to do you, are you convinced of your faith beyond a shadow of a doubt? But then when these thoughts come in of, well, what if I'm wrong? And we talked about that before. People will profess, we're right in this, and we'll say to them, all right, you say that you're convinced that you're right, but what if you're wrong? And this for me, I got this concept, was thinking about this this evening, and the Word of God talks about this, that it's not that we would never have a thought of what if this happens, but it's we don't want to be in a state of mind where we're just constantly, what if, what if, what if, what if. And the reason for that is this, and I was evaluating this, 
the beginning of the what if goes from what if to worry. And then from worry, it goes to stress. And it goes from stress to anxiety. And it goes from anxiety to depression. We're told in the word of God by Messiah himself, teaching his disciples, do not worry about tomorrow because tomorrow has enough worries of its own. Where do we get the foundation of worry? Well, we question, well, I'm not sure. Well, what if this happens to me? What if I die? What if somebody else dies? What if I'm not good enough? What? And you start in that, that what if pattern and you start to worry, well, um, I don't know what's going to happen because you keep on that cycle of what if and you start to worry. And then because you're worried, you start to tense up. And I'm sure you've seen these, those stress balls. They kind of look like a racquetball. You can kind of do them in and out of your hand. Well, it leads to you getting stressed and you want to alleviate that stress. Well, if you stay in that state of stress, you're going to start to be anxious because you're in a state of stress where you're just, you're tense and you start internally putting pressure on yourself. And by putting that pressure on yourself, you start to depress. And if you don't push back against that, then you start pressing yourself down because the what if is still going on in your lower conscience and even in your uh, upper conscience. And you have worry about because you're not sure what's going to happen. And then you start to get stressed and you get anxious and depressed and, and that cycle just keeps going. And in true faith in Yah, Yah doesn't want us to worry. They want us to have concern, but not worry. Because if they wanted us to worry, then Messiah would not teach us, do not worry about tomorrow. Don't worry. Where am I going to eat? Where am I going to drink? Where am I going to get my clothes? And he says, your father in heaven knows that you need these things. They see a sparrow that falls from the air. Do you think that you're not worth more than sparrows, birds, creation? So don't worry. Have concern. But don't stress yourself out, pressing yourself down. Learn to press back. And the way to press back is he gave us, and we talked about this before, the keys to the kingdom that just happened to read this, came across this. And when Messiah was talking about worry, he said, don't worry about tomorrow. And he said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things, all the things that you need will be given unto you. You don't need to worry about what you're going to need. You'll have what you need. What happens with us is at times is it's not about the needs. It's about the wants. We have in the Psalm, Psalm 23, that says, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want doesn't mean that you don't need things. It means that I'm not, my concern is God. My concern is doing what is pleasing to God and Yah will provide all of my needs through their glorious riches. So I'm not going to be in a state of wanting things. I'm going to be satisfied with what God gives. And we know that through programming that 
we've been programmed that we have selfishness and we want what we want, but the true reality is that in faith in God, that faith in God is about trust in Yah, and it's about Yah giving us what we need. And there is nothing in the faith journey that we need that if we ask God, that God will not give us what we need. And I was just thinking about this because we've talked about the gospel message on the podcast and we've broken down the gospel message. And we've also talked very importantly so about brainwashing and mind control, about cognitive dissonance, about your lower conscience, your programming, why you do the things that you do. And even with Messiah's teaching, he teaching about the mind that he knows that people are going to worry. And therefore I'm bringing this up because faith is trust. So how can we trust God more and more if we stay in a place of the what if and the worry and the stress and the anxiety and the depression? No, the more we seek God with all of our heart, we seek first the kingdom And yes, that is mentioning seeking God with all your heart because Yah has a kingdom. And, but it's about putting the priority where the priority needs to be, which is Yah, the kingdom of God. But he doesn't just say, seek first the kingdom of God and all things will be added. Messiah says, seek first the kingdom of God and their righteousness, which their righteousness is obedience. Messiah is the righteousness of God. So walking as Messiah did is what Yah is looking for. So you seek first the kingdom and Yah teaches you the way of righteousness. They show you the things that you need to walk in their ways. And it's a seeking God by faith. For those listening out there, this isn't just for faith in God, which this is the aspect that we're coming from. For anybody in the world that you're walking around in the what if, and you may not even be recognizing that in your conscious mind that you're questioning things that you do and not knowing why you're doing them. But I found this today as just sitting at work, thinking about things. If you really attempt to listen into your lower conscience and really tune in, really evaluate what you're thinking, what you're feeling, And I found that I could boil it back to there was a what if in there and setting my mind that I'm not going to live in a state of what ifs because that's going to lead me to worry and to the other aspects. And with having faith in God, there's no need to worry about anything. There are going to be things that I don't know that I don't understand. And when that happens, I have Yah that I can ask and seek and knock ask for help, ask for clarification, ask for verification so that I can know and knowing, having the proof, Yah, confirmation, verification, that we in faith can more and more be getting away from the scenarios of the what if and what's going to happen if this person does this or if that person doesn't do this or if this happens or this could happen in the future. And I just find for myself at times I get so wrapped up in it, it's kind of like that cartoon from years ago, the Tasmanian devil, where you get in that whirlwind or that cyclone and you just get all riled up and think about that from an aspect of you go to work and a lot of people, you get to work and you get home and you want to unwind. And I know I've said that in the past, 
well, why would I need to unwind if I wasn't tensed up into a ball that I need to let go of that tension and unwind? Learning more and more to not be stressed at work and be content with what I have with my lot and my portion is helping me more and more to have more and more peace where I don't have to come home and unwind that I can already have peace in my mind where I can just continue and I don't need to de-stress or watch television, listen to music, go for a drive, eat a meal, something like that. Because so much of what we talk about of the truth of God is yes, we are bringing information so that you can seek after it and you can be convinced of it because you have to be convinced in your own mind. We can't, we can be convincing, but you've got to be convinced by, you've got to accept what's given to you by one, seeking after it, two, going to Yah, asking for them for their help and verification, looking at it and make sure that in the word verification with Yah, that it all lines up. But faith is about living life and living life is living the life of Yah. And the more that we accept the word of God, we take in the word of God, we evaluate it and apply it. We can live life and ultimately have eternal life dwelling within us. With circumcision of the heart, we have the fullness of the deity in bodily form. We have eternal life who is God dealing, um, who is Yah living within us. So we have eternal life dwelling in us. Now we will, once we depart this earth, when we are perfected, then we will have eternal life. We will dwell with eternal life, which is Yah. But these, this information that is given, it's to help those that really want to know truth, not just seeking to feel good, but no matter how it affects you, you want to know truth. If you want to know truth, then that's the goal of what we're doing is to speak the truth, speak it boldly, and you look into it, you verify it. Don't depend on us, depend on God. Now, you seek after it, you verify it, you talk to God, they verify it, it lines up with the word. Then yes, if we, we say those things, yeah, then you can believe what was said was true, but don't put your confidence in people. Put your confidence in Yah. Now, as you have confidence in Yah, there are people that put their confidence in Yah, and you can have confidence in people, but your confidence is in Yah first. And then if those people are lining up with truth, then have confident in, confidence in what you are hearing or seeing from that person because it lines up with Yah. And this is something that has come to our attention talking in the gathering. And to me personally, that I've been doing so much in the past, depending on what other people say to me, and it seems true and it, and it lines up, but not to the point of verifying with Yah and making sure that it does line up with the truth of God and that I verify with Yah that this is true. And yes, it makes sense. It lines up from what I'm saying, but let me verify with you because you are perfect. You know this and you're the one that can verify it. Just like with Abraham, when he was talking about Sodom and Gomorrah, that Lord, if there's 50 righteous or 40 or 30, will you not destroy them if they're righteous people? And Yah being okay with it, 
because they're okay with us verifying with them if something is true to ask them to find out because that shows that we really have a seeking heart and eagerness to know truth. So this is very important on the faith journey because faith, as the word says, faith is being sure, being convinced of what you hope for and being convinced of what you do not see. Yah doesn't want us to be in a state of not being sure, not being certain. They want us to seek after it and verify with them so that, as it says in the word too, that they are the God of all comfort. They're the God of all support because they know, they know all that can be known. So things that can be known, they know, and we can go to them and verify that. But this, I see this as just like the brainwashing and mind control, the psychology of the mind. This is something that so many people deal with because how many people feel in the world deal with psychological problems? You deal with worry. You deal with anxiety to where you are on antidepressants because you're depressed. You're in depression. And people may think, well, how does this correlate to the gospel message and the truth? Well, It does because we've got so much programming, so many things that we've done in our life that are not functional. It's dysfunctional. The truth of God is functional. And this is a way that we can live life and escape the corruption of the flesh with all of its corruption and all the programming of the world. And if you don't recognize it and you don't see it, then you just keep living your program life that you've had since you were a kid. And the things that you do is because it's what you've been programmed with. But we have the opportunity in true faith in Yah to change the programming to godly programming to where we can have self-control, where we can have control of what's in our lower conscience and in our upper, upper conscience. And it can be working together so that when the lower and upper conscience are in sync, then you have self-control. You can know why you're doing what you're doing and be able to give an answer as opposed to when I was a kid, I remember this vividly, I would do something that wasn't appropriate. And my dad would say, why did you do that? And I would shrug my shoulders. I don't know. Well, we can change that to where somebody says, I want to ask you a question. Why did you say that? And you can say, well, here's the answer. Here's why I said it because I, I know why I said it because I knew exactly what I was doing as opposed to, wow, I got upset there. I really, why did I get so upset? I really don't know. Well, that's an opportunity to evaluate and say, let me, with the help of y'all, let me dig into my lower conscience to help me to see my lower conscience so I can see what I'm not seeing. Why am I doing what I'm doing so I can make a change and really understand why I'm doing this so I can see it. And then, okay, well, I see that that's not appropriate, so I'm going to change that. I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm going to do this. But if you don't know that you have this what if going on in your mind that leads to different things, then you're not going to be looking for it. And then if you're not looking for it, you're not going to be able to change anything. And just like insanity, insanity we've been taught is doing the same thing over and over again 
but expecting different results instead of doing things over and over again, which are true and fair and right, which leads to continued growth and change and function. So Phil, those are my thoughts so far. This is, um, this was brought to me and I'm, I'm glad it was because it just helps me to really evaluate my thinking, why I'm thinking what I'm thinking and putting it to the truth of God so that I can, and not just me, but you and others can really evaluate what we're doing and more and more make changes for the good so that we can live the godly life. And to answer your question about how many people have mental instability, everyone, the only way you can start to balance it is by the full faith in, in Yah, where Yah then gives you the ability to start to balance to where you have a balanced uh, psyche. Uh, you have a balanced mind. We live in a world where you have friends, you have family members, you have people you work with that you think you know. You don't. We don't. People think they know you. They don't. We tend to go with what the presentation somebody gives you as to who they are. And then occasionally when they slip of who they really are, you excuse it away of, oh, they, well, they just made a mistake or, you know, well, everybody does that. And the mental instability is everywhere. It's why you have murder suicide. It's why you have a guy who kills somebody and everybody's like, oh my gosh, I, I, I don't know how he would have done that. He just was just such a nice guy. And because you saw the guy that he wanted you to see, everybody's running around with masks on and without faith in God, you're trying to put on your best foot because you want to be accepted, whether it's from a uh, mean criminal perspective, because you want to be accepted. And so you're going to be the best that you can at being that or any avenue that you can do. The mental instability is everywhere. And every time we have a, uh, a big scare, it just tweaks the mental instability that much more. Look around. If people are honest and they look around in this world, how much more instability there is now than there was in 2018 because of the pandemic, because of the fear driven aspect in the minds of people, that's what drives them mentally off balance. And uh, there's a lot of people who are mentally off balance, who are trying to put on a front because they don't think anybody else feels like they do. And if it's figured out, they're going to be the crazy one and they're going to have to go in the hospital or they're going to have to be put away. And the reality is, is everybody has mental imbalance. You may be imbalanced to an extreme on one side, to an extreme on the other, or somewhere in, on either side of that. 
But people are not mentally balanced. The only way that you can truly achieve mental balance is through faith in God. And what it does is it even it draws you closer to the balance line where things don't affect you. The closer you are to that balance line, the more peaceful your life is, the less things you have to worry about. You just, you don't have those concerns that everybody else has. You're not trying to put on a mask to try to hide who you are. You're not trying to put on a front to make yourself look like this. uh, I'm this tough guy or you put on the shield so people just leave you alone. And truly, I see a huge difference between now, post-pandemic, as opposed to the uh, prior to the pandemic. And this is because people were instilling fear in people, and they weren't being honest about it. Yes, it's a disease. Yes, it, it uh, took a toll. But there was a whole lot of padded numbers and things that people weren't being told. And tons of people were in fear. Even people still today are in fear because of that that uh, pandemic that they blew out of proportion. Because the reality is, is you trust God and God will give you the mental balance you need. God will give you the love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, long-suffering, self-control, all those things God will give you the ability to do, but you have to work to that. You have to practice what God gives you in order to achieve the end goal. It's just like if a teacher gives you a lesson, you don't get the grade if you don't do the lesson. You have to do the lesson. If you're a band teacher and you're, you give the student uh, homework, I want you to do this, and they go home and they don't do it and they come back the next day, are they going to get a grade? No. Why? Because they didn't do their part. They didn't do the work. And so you definitely have to do your work. And when God teaches you how to dig into your subconscious, that's when you start to heal. That's when you start to balance because you're going back and you're dealing with all the tragedy and trauma in your life and you're rectifying it to see how it made you strong. And then you're using it as a strength instead of a detriment. And so you change your mindset that you made whenever that thing happened, you change it when you discover it to something else that is functional for faith, for God. And a lot of people, no, everybody, even those who have circumcision of the heart are still working through the mental balance perspective. Now, with the faith in God, I can tell you I have never been as mentally balanced as I am now. Because the objective is, is you need to have the ability to sometimes you have to use the uh, aspects of what they call mental conditions to control your environment. 
in the appropriate time to have an edge of narcissism. Not an extreme, but aside. Why? Because it's necessary in this uh, situation. And so we want to be able to be close to the balance line. So if we have to go to the right just a little bit because something, you know, all right, well, I'm just going to back down. No, no, this is important. This is about God. I'm not backing down. I'm I'm pushing this forward because that's what God said to do. So you have to learn that balance in the midst of it. And God gives you the ability to balance that. When we talk about the what if, okay, there's not a problem with the what if. And you stated that. It, it, it It's not the what if at all. It's what we do with the what if that makes the determination. So uh, you put in and you gave the line of worry. So you have the what if and the what if comes because technically first you have the unknown. And then the unknown brings about the what if. And then the what if, if you go to worry, then it goes down the path that you talked about. Worry to stress, stress to anxiety, anxiety to uh, um, panic attacks, and then into depression. And that's the path that it follows when you get stuck in that aspect of uh, what if. That's worry. And you spoke the other word, but you didn't give the line. See, because when you have concern, okay, so you have an unknown, you have a what if. You make it concern. Concern drives you to seek. Seek drives you to gain knowledge. Knowledge drives you to understand. Understanding drives you to wisdom. Wisdom gives you a conclusion. Because if we try to remove the what if, then we removed the first, an early part of my faith journey when I was like, well, what if I'm wrong with what I'm doing? Because I don't line up with what the Bible says. But I didn't go to worry on it. I went to concern because I was very concerned that I wasn't going to make it into the kingdom because I wasn't lining up with the word. And so I started to seek. Because I knew, I knew in my, uh, in the core of me, that God was real. But I had to seek it with all of my heart. When I sought sought it with all of my heart, then I could go through the process of working through those what ifs from the concern perspective. Because you should have concern, but not worry. Concern, if it's true concern, it will lead you to wisdom. If it's worry, it will lead you to depression. And so there's some I just want to interject. I, the word of God came to mind that the, the from the word of God, which will help you to get away from the worry to the seeking is trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding, because leaning on your own understanding is what leads to the worry because, well, I'm, I'm not sure. And I've got to figure this out. And then you start you yourself trying to figure it out instead of, wait a minute, 
the word of God says to ask, seek, and knock. I'm going to go to God and, and seek God for their wisdom and understanding, call her out, call out for insight, cry out for understanding, because I have a concern here versus worry is, well, I just, because I've done this, well, how am I going to figure this out? And well, you start because you attempt to figure it out and then, okay, if you're going to figure it out yourself, then you're going to find yourself in a bind. So get away from leaning on your own understanding, seek after us, trust in us so that you can get away from that. So I just wanted to share that came to mind. Yeah, because when you trust in yourself, you lean on your own understanding and that leads you to the worry. Trust in the Lord and lean on their understanding. That means you're constantly looking to see what it means for God to be God. What, what makes them God and talking to them and figuring it out from that perspective, from a perspective of perfection, not from a perspective of imperfection. Because as long as you try to do it according to your own, you're not going to be able to do it. And it's not going to make sense. And you're going to get lost. Because the what ifs are good. Because there's a lot of times where we'll meet unknowns. It's what you do with it. If you use it to drum up worry that's only going to keep you going in the wrong direction and when messiah was talking about not worrying the biggest thing that he was talking about was things that are out of your control things that that if you know something's going to happen tomorrow okay then you can think well what if i approach this situation from this perspective and then uh, if that doesn't work, then I can go to this perspective. But we spend way too much time thinking about what we don't know, thinking about what might happen or what could happen. And I would say probably 90% of the time that we spend doing that is wasted time because the thing that you're so worried about doesn't even happen or happens in a completely different way. And Messiah was saying, your worry is not going to change anything. Concern is what's going to change things. And just a a slight translational thing from the Bible, Messiah said, don't worry about tomorrow. For today, and the Bible says, or the Bible writes it, today has enough worries of of its own. That's not what he was saying. He was saying, don't worry, don't worry about tomorrow, for today has enough concern of its own. So take care of today, because in all honesty, you may not be here tomorrow. You may not, I may not be here another hour. I don't know. Uh, I don't have a, a written guarantee from God or anybody else that says, I'm going to be here. I'll be here as long as I'm going to be here. So I can be all concerned. I mean, worried about tomorrow and what's going to happen and how it's going to happen. And it's this big deal. And oh my gosh, and all this, and I die. Did that change anything? Did it spare my life? Did it lengthen my life? No, because it makes no difference. Your worry doesn't change. What's going to happen in your life? 
to really, I mean, yes, when, when we can see when there is an unknown, especially with a faith perspective, then make it concern. And concern says, I'm going to figure this out. Because I'm concerned, I'm going to figure this out. Worry is you, you, can't, you can't connect your thoughts. You, you can't uh, be sensible with your thoughts because worry has got you in chaos. That's what worry does. Worry brings about chaos, and it's that chaos unsettled that brings about the anxiousness and the anxiety and the depression uh, as we go down the line. So if there is a what if, handle it from a concern perspective. One, is this something I should really be concerned about? Because most what ifs, people don't realize, go back to their fear of death. The fear, because uh, fear has to do with punishment. Oh, why do you have to get this figured out in your mind about what's going to happen tomorrow for what? Because you have fear. You fear that you might not handle it right or fear that you might do something wrong. And, uh, and then what? Well, all fear has to do with punishment. And so people don't realize that when they spend time after time in chaotic thought in their mind about what might happen or what could happen or how it's going to happen and that worry you know it's worry because it affects you physically you feel it because it leads to just it just leads to stress because you're internally you're tensing up and when you tense up and you get in the state of that you get anxious because you start well how am i going to and your your breathing gets shorter and you get because I know that from, from driving, like my hands will get restricted. Um, and I even find holding the microphone that I got to remind myself, just let my hand go free. Thank you. The, um, because my hand will get tense and I'll catch myself doing that. And it's because it goes back to, well, what needs to be said next as, as opposed to, no, I'm not going to worry about what to say next. If there's a concern, yeah, help me. I'm not, help me to think about what you want me, is there a scriptures or something you want us to bring out, have concern because I went to the reverse, just like you had brought out. All right. So when you are depressed, you reverse that, you push back by calling out for insight, crying aloud for understanding, inclining your ear to wisdom because you're no, I'm, I'm concerned. Cause think about that. If you're concerned, you go after something, but if you're just worried, you just kind of how am I going to, how am I, how am I, how am I, how am I, instead of Yah help me to, Yah help me to, help me to see, because I that came to mind for my own thinking was, when I'm worrying about something, what am I doing? How am I going to, how am I, it's, it's, it's all about selfish, how am I gonna, how am I, as opposed to, wait a minute, the word of God says not to worry, but to have concern. I'm not gonna worry about anything, because worries about chaos, I'm not living in chaos anymore. So no, I'm not going to worry about this. I'm going to be concerned and I'm going to, if I need help, I'll ask God, I'll go to the word. I'll ask a brother, sister in faith. I'll do something instead of just, just wallowing around in the pity party of worry and oh, woe is me because I, I'm just, 
not getting what I want or, or something like that. And just even thinking about this, Yah has given information on how to reverse the process where you can change it from chaotic to orderly because we know that Yah has concern because when Yah came to Moses, he said, you know, I've seen my people and I have concern for them. He didn't say that they were worrying for the people, but I have concern. And because I have concern, Moses, here's what I want you to do to assist them. Because if we have concern, then there'll be action involved instead of blaming other people instead of, no, I'm, I'm going to look at myself. I'm doing something that's causing this and this is going to be figured out. And when you do that, when you say you're going to do something, then you can start the process of the healing it to figure out what you're doing that you're not seeing, as opposed to being in that insanity, which you're just doing the same thing over and over again and not seeing it. And faith in God allows us to see, because Yah will. You ask Yah to show you your lower conscience, to shake your, your lower conscience, they will do it. Now, they're not going to fix it for you, but they'll bring things up for you to see for you. Okay, now evaluate this because we're showing you it's for it's in your hands to figure this out. And keep in mind that worry is thought-based, concern is action-based. If, if you're worried about something, you're thinking about it over and over. And, oh my gosh, I, I smelled something. What if there's a fire? What if there's, what it, where concern is, I, I smell smoke. I'm getting out of my chair. I'm walking through the house. I'm looking around. I'm looking in closets. I'm going outside to see if maybe there's, there's smoke outside or I'm, I'm, I'm actually action-based when it's concern, when it's worry, because worry is, is paralyzing. That, that's what Messiah and Yah knows is that worry is paralyzing. And that's why Messiah said, don't worry. Don't worry because that will just paralyze you because what happens is it's just chaos in your mind that can't be settled. And it can't be settled because you're, you're trying to figure out the solution to something that hasn't happened that is not possible for you to figure out the solution until it happens, and then you can work on the solution. And so really you should, we should attempt to cross every bridge when the bridge is there. Now, if you see a bridge coming up, you can decide how you're going to cross that bridge. But if you don't know there's a bridge out there, then why are you going to think about how you're going to have, well, how am I going to cross that bridge? What bridge? We, we're not crossing any bridges. We're, we're on this trip and we're not, there are no bridges to cross. So you worry about crossing a bridge that isn't even there yet and may never even be there. So you waste your time, your effort, and you paralyze yourself in your mind. And every time you do that, that builds up within you. And it builds up and it builds up. And that's why the worry builds up to the anxiety. And the anxiety will build up to the depression. And people can be depressed, but you may not physically see it 
on them. It, because, well, you think, oh, well, they're happy and they're laughing all the time and joking. and But look at Robin Williams. One of the one of the people that would have uh, made people laugh anywhere, anytime, anyhow, uh, and he was cracking jokes and and doing that. But when he wasn't in front of people, he was a different person. That what you saw of Robin Williams. If you think you know Robin Williams because you've seen a movie or you've seen an interview or you've seen uh, this the comedy stuff that he did, you have no idea who he is or who he was because he was in pain. The, the reason somebody as a comedian can be, can be as on top and witty as he was shows you and tells you that there's a really deep wound that he's covering up and the only way that he can keep it together in public is that it, there's always got to be a comment there's always got to be a uh, a joke a wisecrack to get people laughing so there's no focus on hey i i noticed that you know you're kind of down today are you are you okay are things all right no, you hide that because you don't want people to know that you're depressed. And Robin Williams, as bright and cheery as he was on the stage and on the, the, the film screen and on the TV, that was a depressed man. And you it's closet depression. It's when you're depressed, but you're doing everything you can to try to put on a different face. And the shame is, is what he had to go through when he was alone, when he was by himself, when he was in the dark times, when there was nothing but him and nobody to joke with. You think he was just sitting there laughing and joking? And no, he was hurting. He was in pain. He was in, in mental anguish. Because of, and I don't know what happened to him in his life. I don't know the tragedy and the trauma that he experienced. But there are tons of people out there that are like that. Because as humans, we get, we get very good at, one, we get very good at putting on a front to hide who we really are. And then we are very good at ignoring the front that somebody else is putting on because we don't want to, well, how am I going to talk to them? I mean, if they break down, and I don't know what to say and I don't know what to do. Maybe you just talk to them about your problems. Maybe you get their mind off of their problems by telling them what your problems are, what you've experienced, what you've gone through, because it's it's huge and it's a shame that he had to to leave this world the way he did but he is an example of many people who are actually depressed but it's 
not diagnosed, or if it is diagnosed, they're hiding it because they don't want other people to see it. And the reality is that because there's so much mental instability everywhere, and we keep doling, not we, but people keep doling out medications, telling people it's going to help them. And then you even see like some of these pharmaceutical commercials where you're taking a medication, well, take this supplementary medication and it will help you even more with, and it's like, leave the medication alone. Stop giving people medication. Give them mental balance by teaching them how to have mental balance. Well, how do we do that? You teach one, you teach yourself to have faith in God first. Then with your faith in God, you teach others how to have faith in God. That's how you'll get the mental balance. The the mental balance isn't going to happen with somebody who doesn't want to be changed, who doesn't want to make a difference, who they want to just, they're okay just to hide the pain that they have. And you can mark this. You can, you go to work, you walk down the street, you see somebody with a smile on their face, they're hiding something. That's what they want you, they want you to see that everything's good. It, it's one of the reasons that we, you're walking, hey, how you doing? All right, good, doing good. You, 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 yeah, doing good. But inside you have this internal battle because you had a fight with your wife or you had a fight with your husband or you you found out something about your husband or your wife or it, there, there's tons of different things that cause it. But people aren't open and transparent because they don't think they're allowed to be because they're going to be ridiculed. They're going to be put down. And what they don't realize and what everybody in the world doesn't realize is everybody else is just as mentally imbalanced as you. Everybody is. So the key thing is how do you get mental balance in a world of mental unbalance? There's only one way. Now, you can work towards and you can improve to some degree by applying some stuff that we talk about. But if you want to optimize your mental balance, you have to be in faith, in God, with God teaching you and showing you how to be mentally balanced. Let's stop giving medication to people and let's start teaching them how to be mentally balanced. That's, that's the key because the medication does nothing. And then if that person decides to just stop taking their medication, now you have psychosis. You, you have a psychological condition that takes place because you can't just stop that medicine like that. And now they're going, they're even going farther off the deep end and they do things that they would never do because they didn't take that medication. And the reality is, is that one, and we've said this before, if somebody's on medication, they should be talking to their doctor about trying to get off of it and then figuring out how to fix their mind uh, from a different perspective. And the other thing is, don't take it in the first place. Refuse 
to take it because it's not going to fix you. It's not going to, it all it's going to do is give you the ability to function to some degree and that's it. There has never, ever, ever been a case of depression that has been solved and healed by medication. The mind is very similar to the body. The body heals itself. It can be aided, but the body heals itself. If the mind's going to be healed, it's not going to be healed by medication. It's going to be healed because it's aided by common sense, logic, and understanding that tells you how you can do it. But there has to be a will. There has to be a drive. There has to be determination and grit because you have to want the outcome more than the pain it's going to take you to reach that outcome. If you're going to give up at just the, the slightest little bit of difficulty, then you're not going to make it. You're, you're not able to. And that's why the mindset first has to be, I'm going to, I'm going to do this. And I don't care what it takes to do it. That attitude and that mindset can accomplish an amazing amount of stuff. Then you add God on top of that. It's limitless as to what you can do, how you can improve, what you can learn. And it also gives you the ability to read and study other people so that you can understand why they're acting the way they're acting, why they're doing what they're doing. And it's just for your understanding, not that you're telling them what it's about. It just gives you a base. Wow. I, I see that, you know, me being able to see in, into some uh, people's subconsciouses by hearing stories about stuff that happened to them and then seeing them do something. I'm like, wow, that's why they do that because of this that happened way back here. And they don't even see that that's why they're doing what they're doing. So it is important to just uh, really not worry and figure out that you're willing to go through whatever it takes to find that mental balance, and then you just have to do the work. Like you said, Yah will supply you what you need, and if you need a boost, they'll give you the boost, but they're not going to do it for you. They're going to, uh, They're going to have you do it, which means you're going to have to struggle and it's going to take grit and determination in order to achieve the goal. And Phil, I'm going to give you absolute proof of, and this goes right into this time of year and actually two days from now, and then a month from there and then a week from that time. And you'll know this because we've tongue in cheek said this before, the mental instability and the putting on the mask. It's the most wonderful time of the year for a lot of people. And that's referred to more of the Christmas season than Thanksgiving, but think about Thanksgiving. How much time do we on Thanksgiving actually have Thanksgiving to God? Not saying that doesn't happen, but the majority is it's about, making a, a meal, a traditional meal, spending time together, watching television, football, that kind of thing. A day of Thanksgiving to be thankful for what you have. 
And then what happens on the day after on Friday? And we haven't seen a lot of this. I haven't seen a lot of this recently, but when I was in high school, college, kind of that area, when they really had the true Black Friday where stores would open at midnight and you would see people waiting at the door, people would trample each other, step over people for televisions, different things, rushing down, mobbing people, people getting hurt, people even getting killed over it. And it's supposed to be a time of Thanksgiving. But then the next day you turn around and you act like you don't, you're not thankful for anything that you have, because if you were, and this is coming from a faith in God perspective, if you're truly working on that contentment, you're in a place of being content, then your mindset is I'm going to be content and okay with everything I have. I have everything that I need and faith that Yes, there'll be things that I'll buy, but I don't, I don't need to go out and trample people. And, and this isn't saying you can't go out and shop on Black Friday or anything. You can, you have the free will to choose to shop. I'm talking about you're going out and you're willing to trample people and hurt people to get something that you want when we just are, and that's the pretend is, well, the, um, what would be the pretense of it would be you're being thankful for what you have. But if you were really thankful, why would you then do those things? And then even with Christmas, I saw a thing this evening on how much debt is accumulated with the holidays with buying presents for people. And you think you're buying something for somebody because you really want to give them this gift. And it's really, I I just really want to give this gift because I really want to give it to them. And you give a gift to somebody and they get frustrated and mad and they return it. Or I didn't want socks. I didn't want a tie. I wanted this toy. I wanted that toy. And wait a minute. I thought this was about the birth of Messiah. Why are we getting so upset over gifts and not getting what you want and people working late hours? And it's just when you were talking about people putting on the mass and putting on an act, it's just the word hypocrite is you're a stage actor. You're putting on an act. Because you're saying one thing and doing another, you're acting like you're all, everything's great and good. I'm good. How are you? Good. But then deep inside, no, I'm frustrated. I'm mad. I don't like my job. I don't like my home life. I don't like this. I don't like that. I don't like people driving slow in traffic and and you suppress it. And then you'll put on the, the face or that, or good morning, everybody. And you're like, well, what's good about it? It's Monday. I mean, there's just so many things. And it was just speaking to me about the mental instability that we do this in the world and we don't even recognize it. And as long as everything is going my way and I'm getting what I want, everything is great. But when it isn't, then yeah, you better be open on Christmas day because I need to have my meal and go out and get some snacks at the gas station. And yeah, you need to be open, but then they're complaining that stores aren't open, but then well, what about the people that have to work? They want to be at home, but it's not fair that I'm here at work. But then you're complaining because they're too slow on Christmas Day. And then just the chaos just keeps going. And it's like, like we said recently, stop, just stop. And when I say that, I'm, I'm pointing the finger at myself because there's times at work, even today, that I needed to tell myself, stop, listen to yourself. What are you thinking? What are you doing? Why are you doing this? 
because there's so much instability within each person that you've got enough to worry about with your, and not worry, but enough to be concerned about with yourself. Messiah Yeshua himself saying that you have this big concern about this other person, this little speck that you're seeing. You don't realize all the stuff that you've got where you're mentally unstable. You start dealing with it yourself first. Then you can look across the, the table at somebody else and see something and say, hey, it's a bigger deal to you, but I'm seeing it as a speck. But for you, it's a log. But I can really help you now, and I'm not going to medicate you because all medication is going to do is just it's going to numb the pain. And how have we seen that? That, well, you just make this, you just say this prayer and make a decision, and you're numb and you don't feel the pain, but then the pain comes back. Well, now I, I need to go up on the mountain or I need to go on a trip, and all right, good. Now the pain is numb. Nope, now the pain's back again. So what do I do now? And I don't know how many times I've been to the store at times and I look over at the pharmacy and there's a line way back, people waiting for medication and all the, I couldn't even tell you the number of medicines that are there and really don't want to know because I'm not currently myself taking any medication. And even when I do take over the counter, like an ibuprofen or Tylenol or something like that, it's, I really watch it because I found that even taking the, over-the-counter stuff makes me actually feel worse than when I, and and this is in the past, I did take a lot of medication, but really just getting away from it. And a lot of that is because of faith in Yah that the issues that I have, Yah is helping me deal with them. But just think about this time of year, because you'll have, look at the people on New Year's. And we talked about this. Would you want to go to Times Square and stand there and all of that stuff. A lot of people love it. Hey, I get to go out and party and do all that and get into a crowds and it's a happy new year and everything's happy and new year's resolutions that then nothing happens because you make this, re- I'm, you know, cause I'm going to do this. I'm going to lose weight or I'm going to exercise or I'm going to eat better. And then you don't realize, but you've got to retrain your mind to get it in the program, it's going to take time, but we're expected that, well, you make a decision and everything just changes immediately and I'm going to lose weight in a day and that's it. Or I'm going to change my eating and that that's what's going to happen. Well, no, it takes work because whatever you want to change, there's programming in there that says, oh no, you're not changing anything. It's staying just like it is. No, it's changing. No, it's staying like that. No. And that's the reprogramming of this because the I had not really, until it's being brought out tonight, I hadn't really been thinking about it recently about the mass and putting on the the act and pretending and people do it. And just the aspect of good morning or how are you or how are things going? Oh, you know, things are going pretty well. I even told somebody a while back we were talking about this. They had asked me how I was doing. I said, well, I'm struggling today. And they're like, oh, really? Well, I'm sorry. Well, well, I guess that happens. And they, they really were surprised, like, wow, you're actually telling me you're struggling. And think about that. If you were out and you see somebody down and you're like, how are you doing? They're like, no, I'm just really having a hard time today. I really want somebody to talk to or, you know, oh, you'll be okay. Just suck it up. That's just life. Well, no, because you were talking about Robin Williams. Similar myself to Robin Williams, that coming from 
a life of wittiness, hiding pain and being all jokey like with people and stuff because I can hide my pain and them not to see it instead of, I don't want people to see that I'm in pain because I'm going to look silly or I'm going to look dumb. And those same people are thinking the same things and they don't have it all together. You take a look at Facebook. You look at the Facebook profiles. How many Facebook profiles do you see people frowning or just looking like they're just down in the dumps? Or how many do you see that it's the big bright smile and they have all the family on the boat on the lake and, or they got the the skiing pictures and man, everything is great. And no, they, they show you what they want you to see. And I know, know that for sure from experience, because I've done that in the past. I'm only going to show you what I want you to see. I'm not going to tell you what I'm feeling because you're going to trample me. You're going to make me feel like that I'm dumb or something like that. And, and that's not, you know, changing that mindset, but people have to realize that everybody's the same other than faith in God and pursuing through faith that everybody's the same. Everybody is born a sinner and, but everybody thinks that everybody's got it worse and and nobody understands me and nobody understands what I'm going through. And it's like, no, everybody's got their pain. Everybody's got their struggles. And it's just unfortunate that we don't, as people realize that we're now aside from faith in God and finding that journey that, Hey, we're all the same. So let's figure out how we can stop acting like the way we're acting and really be honest. But the thing is, is people, you just don't want to look like you don't want to be vulnerable. You don't want to let people know that you're hurting because you just think that everybody else has it better than you. And you don't realize so many people are just hiding so much pain and anguish. How many people focus on what Freud did? Sigmund Freud and all the, 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 what he did and what he said and what he spoke about with psychology. And how about what God says about, about these things? He's, he, Freud is made as though he's the authority on psychological mindset, but you look at some of the old things that were done in the name of psychology or psychiatry that wouldn't even be accepted today. The fact that over 60,000 people in this country were uh, sterilized in the, in the aspect of eugenics to try to get rid of the crazy people. And, And this is, coming from the psychology community at the time. The psychiatric community at the time figured that, well, if we just sterilize them, they can't have kids, and their kids won't grow up to be crazy. And how well did that work? It it, it didn't. You can't. The only way crazy can go away is if people work through their problems and get rid of it. And so the, the leading authority on the psychology of the mind should be God. What God says about it, not what some man said about it. And he probably has some good uh, insight and some good understanding to things, but God's got better with that. And you spoke about the different times of the year. And it is the, the, the people are feeling the pain during their whole 
the whole year in their life. But when you have it exemplified, because everybody's putting on this big uh, parade around, well, it could be a birthday. It it could be uh, Christmas. It could be New Year's. And it's like, it's the greatest thing. It's, 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 you know, the, the hap, hap, happiest time of the year. Everybody's good. But why is it as soon as Christmas is over? Somebody hears Christmas music and they're like, really? Well, I thought we were done with that. Even leading up to it, I, I, I know some people that they'll profess and they like, well, yeah, I like buying gifts for people on Christmas and uh, I I just enjoy doing stuff for them. And then Christmas music comes on and the only time they'll tolerate it would be like the week of Christmas. And if it comes on before then, they're like, ah, why do you got to play that now? Don't play it so loud and all that. Where the reality is, is that the greatest majority of people, if not all, are having some sort of mental I situation or issue that is being clouded over and covered up by these holidays. When you have New Year's, honestly, when was the last time you heard people on the the uh, the last day of the year professing? that that year was the greatest year ever, ever. That the happy last year, forget about next year. Last year was the best, but why don't you hear that? Because people are living in a state of depression and a state of mental instability, and they know it, and they want next year to be better, and that's why we've got to all profess and kiss everybody at midnight and happy new year. Next year is going to be the year. Next year is going to be the time when I can get away from this mental instability and this depression and all these things. It's going to be next year. Why aren't they celebrating this year? Because of what you you claim you have blessings in your life, but you can't find a reason for this to be the great year instead of happy new year. I mean, honestly, shouldn't we be uh, exclaiming happy last year? Let's look forward to see what this year brings, but people are doing it because it's what you would call a pipe dream. They're doing it in hopes that something or a wish that something next year is going to change so I don't have to go through this misery again. You see it at Valentine's. You know, you you got the one day where everybody's making all lovey and doing all this stuff, and then every other day of the year, they're living divorced lives or they're, they're not taking care of each other and they're not doing the things that they're supposed to do. And they're putting all this stuff in somebody's face on that one day. But what about the multitude of people that broke up with somebody that day or got divorced within the week before that or the month before that, that you're not thinking about and, Oh, it's such a great thing to have this Valentine's day. And well, I could even put it to you have people who get injured 
or get sick and they go in the hospital. Well, everybody pray for this healing so that it'll be good. And, and then somebody starts to get better. And everyone's, oh, praise God, the healing, and keep praying, but praise God for that healing. When was the last time you ever heard anybody say, if you're truly praising God and you believe that that I, uh, you want God to have the glory, where's the praise for the guy who didn't make it through the accident? Praise God, he died. No, we would only do that if we know that he had true salvation. Why don't you praise all the, if you're going to praise when somebody's getting better, then why wouldn't you praise God if it all of, all of a sudden turned and went the other way and they ended up perishing? Because you're trying to, uh, you're trying to convince yourself that God's doing all these things for you as long as it's favorable to you. But when it isn't favorable to you, now we blame God. Watch this, okay? Oh, man, I'm just so blessed that God did this and God did that, and then somebody dies. Well, that's the plan. God knows the plans. It was God's plan that it happened. So it's God's fault that that person died instead of, thank you, God. I rejoice. Praise you. That person died. Well, we don't, obviously, we're not advocating that you do that, but we're not advocating you do the other either. Because, okay, so you might get on Facebook and put all these posts out there and these blessings that, you know, this, this person was sick and they had this happen and this happened and they're getting better and they're getting stronger and praise God. What message does that send to somebody else who's going the opposite direction? Well, God doesn't love me. I don't get the blessing of he being healed. I don't. And they don't recognize, they're not doing it with intention, but they don't recognize the detriment that that does to somebody else's spirit. And it's not even conscious for them. It's subconscious on both sides. And then what happens is God gets the blame. It's, it's God's fault because it's, it's the plans. I know the plans I have for you, but if you're going to profess that I know the plans I have for you when somebody dies, then rejoice in that death. If that's truly what you mean, but it's not. What you mean is when it feels good, I'm going to praise you and thank you and do all this stuff in acknowledgement. But if it goes the other way, I'm going to blame you for it. And they don't even know they're doing it. See, that's the thing. It's not as though they consciously understand what they're doing. They don't. They've been programming it. It programmed, and they're acting out of their programming that if something is going good in your life, then it's a blessing from God. And if something's going bad, it's a curse where we've talked about this before in the podcast where, no, if you have faith in God and you have your eternity locked in by mother in your heart, then death has no grip on you. Death can do nothing to you, and therefore, if I die, 
I don't want people to cry and mourn and weep. I want you to rejoice. Why? Because I'm going to be headed to uh, that place of Abraham's side and ultimately into the kingdom. So don't you dare be sorry for me because I know where I'm going. Unfortunately, people don't think about other people in those situations. When you're professing all this stuff that God's doing for you and somebody else professes the same faith that you do, but they're getting the opposite, what are you telling them? Are you telling them that, well, well, you must deserve what you're getting? I mean, and again, they're not doing it consciously. It is a, truly a subconscious thing, but that's the detriment of the programming of Christianity and not just Christianity, but other worldly organizations, other worldly religions that don't line up with the truth of God and the life of Messiah, his son. It is so important for people to recognize that we are a broken people. So stop acting like you're not broken, but don't act out in a unfavorable way. Act out in a way that says, you know what? I'm not going to hide this, but I'm going to figure out how I can get past it. And once I figure out how I can get past it, then I can help somebody else. I get rid of that forest in my eyes when it comes to this mental imbalance, then I can help everybody else with the speck in their eye. With the, they, they got one or two trees. Oh, we, we, we can work on that because I've been working on a forest and you know, so I know how to cut these trees down. If, if you want to help, I can help you. But somebody has to want to help. And we live in a world where people are not transparent and they're not willing to be vulnerable. You, you, in order to really heal, you have to be able to be transparent. You have to be vulnerable. You have to be able to put yourself in a position where you're telling the truth that you're, you're speaking about it. And it's, it's difficult. Take a man trying to express something to his wife that he thinks that she's going to get uh, mad at him or upset at him. And so he just keeps it to himself and just stews over it or just deals with it himself in his own mind. Why? Because he thinks that he's going to be ridiculed and there's a good possibility that he is going to be. And that's, over the programming of years, that's why men aren't open and transparent to their wives most times. And it works the other way. This I'm not trying to put this one-sided because men do the same thing where they don't listen to their wives. They're, yeah, huh? Mm, uh-huh, okay, yeah. Well, what did I say? Well, I don't remember. Yeah, because you're not listening. You don't care about me. So she keeps her stuff in because... You don't want to listen to her. And we should learn as a people in society to one, be vulnerable and transparent. And two, don't tread on people who are being vulnerable and transparent. Actually, don't step on them, but lift them up. Help them. Give them a helping hand 
instead of a foot stepped on top just to drive it in. And why would somebody do that subconsciously? Make themselves feel better. If I put you in the spotlight, then nobody's looking at me. And that's not a good thing. We really, even us, in faith now, circumcision of the heart, we've had this programming. We have to be very careful that we're not being standoffish, that we're not hiding things that shouldn't be hidden. If things need to be in in the light and transparent, then we need to be in the light and transparent. That's what this faith is all about. And so this aspect of mental instability, it's everywhere. Everybody has it. It's just a matter of do you get to a point where you're within a good range of the center that you keep that balance? Because sometimes you'll have to be on one side or the other, but only slightly. So you keep that balance because we're not going to be perfect at it as we live in this body of flesh. So we stay as close as we can to that balance line. And that's the best place to be because then we won't go to excessive extremes on expression of what we're thinking or what we're feeling. Uh, Instead, we'll handle them appropriately and from the right perspective. And everybody, if I could tell everybody one thing, at least those who are listening to these podcasts and uh, are seeking God with all their heart. Everybody else is just as mentally unstable as you are. Figure out how to have faith in God and find out how to balance your mental instability, how to take it from one extreme, whichever extreme you're on, and work it towards the middle. Because every single psychological condition that exists is good if it's balanced. If it's not balanced, then there's no benefit. Uh, It's only a detriment because you're either going to be, and this is the way it is, fight or flight, weapon or shield. That's a matter of fact. You choose when when you go through tragedy and trauma, you choose which one you're going to be whether you're going to fight and be a weapon or whether you're going to flight and be a shield. And some people are really extreme on both sides and some people are in the scale the other way, but everybody has some sort of obsessive compulsive disorder. Everybody has some sort of obsessive compulsive. It doesn't have to be disorder, but you can, you can be, excessive compulsive from the right perspective because you want to be compulsive. You want to be compelled in excess when it comes to the things of God. I I don't want to do, I don't want to be a minimalist when it comes to the things of God. So we, but we, we want to stay close to the balance line on those things. We don't want to flip to extremes and when we learn about altars and we understand that we have alter egos within us and we shift in and out of those egos in a day, you could probably go into uh, multiple 
different alter egos and not even know you did, not even be conscious that you actually changed personalities and that's okay as long as it's in balance because there's a time and season for everything. There's a time for you to cry. There's a time for you to laugh. There's a time for everything under heaven. And so we have to find, if we want to have peace in this world, we have to find this mental balance. And if we want to find this mental balance, we have to have peace with God. And we have peace with God. God gives us the ability to be able to do what's necessary to balance the mind. But you must be willing to work and work hard in order to achieve it. Just thinking about balance, just thinking about gymnastics, the balance beam that you've really got to work to be able to, it takes a, a huge effort to balance yourself on there. The instability is, is when you're not balanced. Like if you're, let's just say thing about gymnastics, like Olympic gymnastics, you're standing on the balance beam. If you're just standing still, you're not going to sit there unless you've really practiced a lot. You're not going to sit there and be perfectly still. You're probably going to just be a little bit kind of leaning back and forth. And it made me think of that with people may not even realize this, but they may not think that Yah would be prideful. Well, Yah's not prideful. They're humble. Yeah, but Yah has pride, but it's in a balance like that. They have that they're proud of their son that Yeshua and his work. And they're proud of his people that walk in obedience to them, but it's not excessive and it's not minimized, like you were saying. And a lot of these things that we're talking about, it's just that you don't recognize it. And I had this come to mind with the book of Revelation, when Messiah wrote the, had the letters written to the churches that were there, that the one letter that was at the church in Laodicea, and it made me think of this age that we're in now, this time, that you could look at it and it says that he's writing the letter to that church and it says that I'm writing this to you and you say that you are rich and you don't need a thing. And he says, but you don't realize you're wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. And that's the thing is, is that that's why it's so important to make sure that you're convinced that you verified without Yah that you know the truth because how many people don't verify and then you're wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked, and you stand before Messiah, and he says, get away from me, I never knew you. You didn't realize that you were wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked, meaning that you're naked before God, your sin is exposed, and you're not going to enter this kingdom. But think about that from a mental aspect, that you think that you're not hot or cold, you're lukewarm, that you're not for us, you're not against us, you're just in the middle, and that's not a place to be make sure that you're on the right side, that you're in balance. This aspect of the what if, that they are unknowns, but with faith in Yah, being able to learn the truth of Yah and apply that you can know things about God and the more that you can know about God through the experience, through the proof, then you get away from the unknown because, hey, I'm learning more and more about who I am in my faith journey and Yah knows me, but I'm in the process of knowing things about God more and more. And I'm convinced of what I have and it gets you away from, 
it gets you more to the balanced line of God, which is that absolute trust that you transform the what if from the what if that brings the worry, which is in the mind to the what if, which brings the concern, which that drives the action because faith is about action. I want to do this. I want to know, but faith is what's pleasing to God in Hebrews chapter 11, all those sayings by faith, Noah built the boat by faith. Rahab helped the spies by faith. Abraham left his country by faith. This happened and we don't have anything by faith. They did nothing. No, because it says faith by itself. If it doesn't have works, which we could also say is action is dead. Show me your faith without your action. I'll show you that faith is your action, meaning that it's, you have to, faith is you trust, therefore you act. Yeah, I don't have the proof, but I'm convinced of this. I'm going to do this. Okay, well, now I'll give you the proof. Lord, I believe, help me with my unbelief. All right, well, I'm going to go back home. No, I'll just, I'm not going to do anything. You just show me, or the woman that had the blood condition. Oh, if I only just stand here, maybe he'll fall into me. No. If I can only reach out and touch his garment, and what did God, what did Messiah tell her? What healed her? Your action. Your faith made you well because you were convinced that I was going to heal you, that I have the ability to heal you. And when you touch me, you got the proof because the blood condition, it, I'm not bleeding anymore that I know it. I'm, I was bleeding and I'm, I have the proof right here. And that just came to mind that the, the woman that Lord, please heal my daughter. Well, I, I didn't come for you. I came for the lost sheep of Israel. Yeah, but Lord, but don't the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the table? Oh, great is your faith. Your, your daughter as well. And just thinking about that, that faith involves action and people will say, well, no, faith is God does everything. Well, what does the word say? It is by faith. It is by grace that you've been saved through faith, not by works, lest any man can boast. Well, it's not based in works. It's based in trust that Yah is given by grace. Yah opened up the door that we can have faith in his son. And because we walk as he did, then it's not by works, it's by faith. But in that faith, there are works that have been set aside for us to do. So therefore, it's by faith that you go through this, that you're ultimately saved. It's not by your works. So this is a a huge help to all those who listen and apply this, that you can, you can change, still have what if, but make it to where it's not what if that brings worry and the... Uh, the stress, the anxiety, and then the depression will change it to, well, now it's going to bring the concern, which is going to bring the seeking and the knocking and crying out to gain the knowledge and understanding and wisdom and just find it in its proper balance. Because if you go to the one extreme side, you're in chaos, you go to the other, but go to the middle where God is to where I have concern for you. I have concern, Israel, why will you die, Israel? I have concern for you. Repent and live. I can't make you repent, but I have concern for you. That's why that I'm telling you this ahead of time. Turn from your wicked ways. The, the wrath of God is coming. John the Baptist had concern 
brood of vipers who warned you to flee from the wrath to come. Why are you here? You know, there's concern, but just a great point made by Yah that the worry just keeps you in, in action and you just, you just wallow around in it. And it's like, well, when are you going to decide that you're going to get out of this worry and start doing something? And that's the thing. If people are waiting for God, just to, well, God came to me and, and I didn't find God until God came to me. No, you've got to go to God first. It, it's draw near to God and they'll draw near to you. But realize that, and even think about this as you uh, go to work tomorrow, you're out and about, just look around and look at, because we've said this before that, that people will put on the mask that uh, women will wear makeup. Well, men do the same thing that men will wear the goatee, the, the beard or driving the big black truck that the tinted windows and stuff like that. So we put on makeup as well that we got to put on the tough persona and we got to show you that we're tough. And no, you're not tough. You're just insecure and you're doing things as I've done this as you do those things to hide insecurity. Because if you're really secure, that you don't need to walk around to prove anything to anybody. That just live your life, especially those in faith, just live your life to please God, faith in them. And let's stop putting on an act and attempt to be somebody that we really aren't. Just realize that we're not perfect. We are in the process of perfecting. And that God is the one that is perfect. They're perfected. And that those ultimately that find the fullness of faith in the end will be perfected. But it's about walking by faith in God so you can have true healing. And Yah truly is, as, as it mentions in Messiah, that they are the great physician. They are the ones that know the body. They created the body. They created the mind. They know what it needs. They know what it takes to heal it. So let's seek after them to get the answers instead of depending on people. And sometimes you can have concern that you can do nothing about. Just like you spoke about with God. Why will you die, O Israel? Repent and live. God had concern for Israel, but there was, wasn't, it wasn't anything God could do about it. It was what Israel had to do. Uh, and, you know, like we had recently with the Methodist minister coming uh, to one of the gatherings, and not coming back, there's an unknown there. We don't know if she's ever going to come back. We don't know if she's going to actually decide she's going to seek with all of her heart. And so we have concern for that because I'm concerned that we got you to doubt. You, uh, you doubted your faith and got mad at us because we caused you to doubt, but you don't blame the college that didn't teach you how to have faith enough to not doubt what you're speaking about or what you know. And we can't do it for her. She has to do it. She has to make a decision that she sees that there's something wrong and then she has to decide she's going to want to make a change. We can be concerned about it, but if she's not broken to a point of recognizing that what's going on and what she has is not, uh, is not there, 
it doesn't matter if we take our concern and we go after her and we try to talk to her and talk to her and talk to her. It, it'll do absolutely no good because she's not broken. And she's just going to be adamant to stand her ground wherever she is rather than, no, we hope that the day will come where she will do a deep evaluation. She will really look into what the Bible says and what God says about things and stop listening to what man says. And then maybe she'll return. Maybe she'll come back to uh, get some more uh, truth. And maybe, just maybe, she'll find salvation in God. But we can't, we have concern for her. We do. I know I do. But I can do nothing for her without her breaking, just like anybody else. And this is why we don't just go out and stand on a street corner and yell the stuff that we know at the top of our lungs. This is why we do it in a podcast where somebody has the option to say, eh, not for me. Okay. Why? Because it's not going to do you any good anyway. What benefit is it if you're not broken within to understand that something is wrong with your faith, then we can do nothing for you anyway. Absolutely nothing at all can we do for you because you're not broken within. When you're broken within, come to us. We'd more than uh, happy to help you on the journey. No question. But you have to do it yourself. You have to get past the lies that you've been taught, no matter what religion you're a part of. If you're not a part of the church of Messiah, the way of Messiah, that is in agreement, then you're deceived. We can do nothing for you until you're broken of that. And the only way you can be broken is for you to accept truth, for you to recognize that something is wrong and I'm going to figure this out because that's the difference between you're wanting to do something and you're going to do something. You do nothing when you sit around, well, I want to do this. I know I really want to do this. I, I, I really, Sean, one day I really want to go on a cruise. Sean, I, I really want to go on a cruise, and I tell that to you year after year, year after year. Wanting it is not going to do anything for me. When I come to you and I say, Sean, I'm going to go on a cruise, and I'm going to do it this year. I'm going to get on, and I'm going to look, and I'm going to go ahead, and I'm going to book it. Okay, that's what's going to cause it to happen, or I go on another trip or whatever it is, but the difference is, you have to stop wanting to, and you have to start going to. Yes, wanting to is a part of it. No question that if you're going to do something, then it would behoove you to want to do it rather than to do it out of obligation. So just some uh, uh, things that are important for people to see that there are some times when you can have concern, there can be what ifs, and the what ifs can't be answered and the concern can't be uh, satisfied. And so you just have to let it go instead of, oh, well, if I just did this or if I did this, if I told her this or if I told her that, and then maybe she, no, because I'm thinking I'm God rather than, no, I'll leave it in God's hands. 
I know that God has made it, has given her enough information so she's without an excuse. And so it's between her and God. If she comes back, be more than happy to help her. No question at all. But everybody has to accept and recognize if they're going to heal that they have an illness and everybody has mental imbalance. You may not be as far off on some areas as somebody else, but somewhere else you are. And it's important that you recognize that this, like other things with faith, like even with your faith yourself, the Alcoholics Anonymous 12-step program is a great thing to look at because the first thing you have to do is recognize you have a problem and make make a decision in your mind you're going to change it. Without that, nobody can have the true faith in Yah. It's an impossibility. I wouldn't have it if I didn't do that. I recognized something was wrong. I'm going to do something about it. I'm going to figure this out. Whatever it takes, I'm willing to do. And it took some pain. You remember, I hope you do, where I came to your house and sat there in tears because of what was going on in my life. And so there's going to be pain involved, but are you willing to go through it? And I was, and that's why I'm where I am today. And I have to continually be willing to endure pain if I'm going to continue on the journey and increase because I'm not promised that it's going to be a soft, cushy life. I'm promised that we're going to suffer and struggle in this life. Well, and not only that, we have proof of that. We know it because we've experienced it. And I had this and and we'll wrap up the podcast for tonight on this. I just had this thought filled with the law of God, the written code, that one of the aspects of the written code was to reveal sin. And it came to mind that, yeah, using that is to, just like the word says, what purpose did the law serve? It was added because of transgressions. Well, the written code tells you you've got a problem. You've got a sin problem. You don't realize it until I'm going to show you the law. This is what obedience is. And because why does the law say? The law says, thou shalt not. Thou shalt not. Because, oh, I didn't realize that I was stealing. And even if you go, well, I've never stolen or killed or anything. Oh, well, my son, who has come to be the one that is able to save you from your sin, he's going to tell you more about the depth of this, that if you've hated your brother, you've committed murder. So, you may think that, oh, I've not done any of those. Oh, I've kept that from my youth. I've been obedient to God. And no, you don't realize the depth of this, that the law of God is spiritual, that spiritually, have you fulfilled the law of God? Have you been obedient? No. Okay. And it just made me think of if you you see a Roto-Rooter truck driving down the road, they just show up at your house one day ready to work. Well, no, you haven't come to them with a problem. I have a problem that I need help with. No, they're they're not going to even think about you until you recognize that that's a a very good point from Yad that if you don't realize one, you have a problem and two, that you want help, then just like those interventions, I were here to intervene. And what happens? 
the person just digs in and they're not letting go of their stronghold. And that's the thing is you got to be willing to let go of your stronghold so that you can have faith in God. So, and Phil, as we said many times, we could go on for many hours and many things, but this is just another aspect, truth of Yah being brought out. So we will stop for now. We'll pause until the Lord willing, when they allow us to have the next podcast and everybody have a good evening. If you're listening live or you listen later, we very much would wish that you would listen to this podcast and apply it and seek it out and verify with Yah um, because this is the truth of God. So everybody have a good evening. Thank you for joining us today on Hidden Treasures Revealed. We want to leave you with this thought. The greatest treasure in life, and especially in faith, is discovery. If we try to convince you of things, you may gain head knowledge, but if we let you discover things, you will have heart knowledge to know and understand and be able to give a good answer for the faith that you have. Treasure hunters seek treasure nonstop. Seek the treasure of God through conversation with them and through their word. Ask, seek, and knock. Ask, and you will receive. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. Seek the hidden treasure of God, and you will be blessed by it.